Welcome to this week's episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. On this week's episode, the guys pull real-life experiences from the real estate side of Reddit and talk all about them with you, all while enjoying Heaven Hill, Bottle and Bond, Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks, powered by Living in Colorado, the Mile High Perspective on YouTube and Fathom Realty. As always, my name is Charlie Sardelli, and I'm here with Jameson Amaros, Oscar Barra. And guys, on this podcast, we talk all about real estate. We take real estate news. We take different uh, tips and tricks, some myths we talk about sometimes. Are we you try a realtor? I am a realtor. Oh, cool. Yeah. You know. Me too. <laughs> I think Oscar's as well. Yeah, I'm, we, I'm we, are, we are all realtors. So I'm all a real estate. I'm a real estate. Real, real estate. Real tour. A um, real tour. All that information. One of the, one just, of the best, uh, <laughs> sorry, but one of the best scenes from Modern Family. Yes. Is when Sophia goes, he's a real tour. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but it's important. It, it, it's very important. <laughs> no, honestly, guys, what that means is that we're, we're in the market. We know about real estate. And as we say all the time, most people only talk about real estate, buy real estate if they're in the real estate market or they're looking to buy a house one of three times in their yep. life, right? Um, so we just want to have information here for anybody that's looking, whether it be a consumer, real estate agents, whatever it is. Um, but while we do that, we always sip on some bourbon and drink some bourbon, try to try to lighten the load a little bit on topics, especially these days with the housing market, um, interest rates and all that kind of stuff. But it's not all doom and gloom, um, especially when you have some bourbon. And on today's episode, we're drinking Heaven Hill uh, Bottled in Bond, and it, this is a seven-year mm-hmm. bourbon. And um, Jameson, you said it has a has a little bit of a background to it? Well, I mean, it's one of the oldest distilleries in all of Kentucky, and Heaven Hill is kind of the golden triangle of bourbon distilleries in Kentucky. So if you ever go, or if you've ever had Buffalo Trace, everybody knows Buffalo yeah. Trace, or Pappy Van Winkle, um, they're all distilled within that Heaven Hill area. Um, but these guys, Heaven Hill... They uh, started in 1934, and they had a business opportunity to start a distillery, and they had a bunch of different uh, investors that would come in and give them money. The problem with starting a distillery is you basically know from day one that at minimum, you cannot sell your bourbon or product for three years, right? So how do you convince people to give you money? Uh, That was a problem that they they ran into. So um, what happened was their partners actually pulled out. And almost bankrupt them. Um, so they wanted to buy them out for $20,000 in 1937. And they um, they bought out their partners because their partners were like, yeah, dude, you're, this is taking way too long. Which is, if you know anything about whiskey and bourbon, yeah. you have to eat yeah. it, right? Um, they expanded after that. Um, oh, actually, no, I'm sorry. So what happened is they brought in some of Jim Beam's family to oversee the distilling uh, of this product. And in 1935, they went ahead and uh, distilled their first... Um, excuse me, the first bourbon, and it was a hit, an absolute hit. But, I mean, this, this they burned to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> ba, ba, ba. At yep. what point are you like, you know what, maybe this isn't what we're supposed to be doing, man. Yeah, so, Nineteen buy- ni- November 7th of 1996. Um, <laughs> we should just sell beer. Maybe we can make some money tomorrow if we sell yep. beer. Yeah, they... Uh, because so what happened was it got hit by lightning, their their warehouse, and then the fire broke the barrels. Okay, and you remember this is bottle and bond, so it's higher proof mm-hmm. whiskey, and the barrels were flowing out into the streets on fire, which then started <laughs> more fires. So it was essentially it's a, a movie flaming, scene right there. Man. A flaming awesome. river. Is of that why bourbon. they call it Heaven Hill? Yeah, <laughs> a flaming. And the Lord struck them down, and they still made the <laughs> yep. bourbon. Jeez. Yeah. A flaming river of whiskey is how they described it. Wow. Um, As a videographer, I, w- I want to make that And basically destroyed. Shot. 
the distillery, and seven rickhouses. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. Damn. Yeah. So when did they come back? Um, so they ended up coming back in actually recently. Um, man, so the total loss of whiskey in the facilities was thirty million dollars in losses. Ninety-two thousand barrels of whiskey. Wow. Um, Damn. Hell yeah. of an insurance claim. I do, right? <laughs> Insane, was there insurance man. back then? <laughs> Yeah, so they ended up, um, they started distilling almost right away, right? That was in 1996. Their next batch came out in 1999 because they were able to use some other distillers like uh, Buffalo Trace, for example, yeah. to help them kind of recover. And uh, ever since, man, they've been they've been going strong. And so that's what nice. a lot of people don't understand, that there's a, what's that, MG, whatever. MGK, I think. Yeah, they, they have the MGA. juice already, and then you just finish mm-hmm. it, so yep. you don't have to wait There's like a, know, they're, forever. They're like the, I mean... They're, I would, they're, I would they're, gather to say most of the bottles in here yeah. probably yep. come from come from them and then they add their own special twist yep. to it. Um, and if you guys haven't heard from it or heard of it before, there's a couple of other bourbons that they distill that people might recognize. The first one is McKenna, which mm-hmm. we rated yep. really high. McKenna's mm-hmm. good. Um, Rittenhouse Rye. Nice. Another one. That's good. Obviously, it's a staple. It's like a go-to Rittenhouse yep. Rye. And it's very inexpensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes great Manhattan. Yeah. And then Larceny, which is one of our personal yes. favorites. I love Larceny. Larceny was yep. up there. And, and Larceny was only like 32 mm-hmm. right? $32. Uh, they also... Cheaper yeah. sometimes. Yeah, yeah, these guys actually bottle most of my favorite whiskeys. The other one <laughs> being Elijah Craig, 1789 Small Batch. Mm-hmm. Pikesville. Huh. Old Fitzgerald. Old Fitz. Um, Evan Williams. Damn. And then mellow corn, which is a straight corn whiskey. See, it would be it would be really cool to make a separate video on the channel where it's like we 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 have these bourbons, but then we also have all the other ones that they yes. do, and then just sip through them and try and taste the differences. Because I think we could do that now. This is fifty six bottle fifty six. Fifty six. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I think we're able to do that now. Now I hate um, doing this. <laughs> it better be a Friday award. night. Yeah. <laughs> right. They also have awards. Right, so they won the International Spirits Competition Gold in 2023. This San Fran World Spirits Competition—they <laughs> give it to everybody. Man, if you, want a, if, if you want a medal in whatever go distillery, you just go to San Francisco. Yeah, double, they double get gold pars- in participation trophies. <laughs> and then uh, they won the Tried and True Challenge for the Ultimate Spirits Challenge in 2022. Uh, it's 100 proof, aged seven years. Seven and, years, uh, nice. Yeah, bottled in bond, so it obviously adheres to. Very strict government regulations as far as how yep. you can distill Kentucky bourbon. You know okay. what? Those those medals and awards. You want to impress me? I want them to say, "Oh, we went out to Kentucky and grabbed like a hundred old timers." And <laughs> they said, the, they, "Like go to the backwoods." Yeah, this like the, a, our, uh, they they like give a ours, yeah. They rated it number one. Yeah, that's like, how you're gonna impress me because yeah. everybody has some from San Francisco. I, I think well, gather, we could make something go to San Francisco idea. and get a medal. That's a good idea. If you gathered all the master distillers, like. Make a show. A master distiller certificate yeah, or, or yeah, medal. Yeah, where the master distiller. That would be a crazy cool were you reality one, show. Were you the one telling us that uh, when you ever, whenever you have the um, decanters? Yeah. Right? So it's like the the barrel. The, I don't the bottle kill barrel. anymore. I, I, you don't bottle kill I put, put it in into there? a decanter. I, bet, I have like half I a decanter bet. full. Once that's full. I'm going to take it. We could take it to San Francisco <laughs> and be like, wow, the Ma High Perspective bottled in barrel bond rye bourbon mash corn whiskey won quadruple gold in the experimental oh, something. That's, yeah. Well, and, and we say it all the time. Like everybody has a accolade from something. Yes. Right. right? Yeah. But it's I, like I, realtors. Honestly, mm-hmm. it's what's cool about this guy is the color is darker. Yep. Right. And the fact that it's seven year, I wonder what's going to, what's going to pop out more. Is it going to be the oak, like the, the actual wood? Is it going to be the char? Is it going to be the, the caramel, like the sweetness of it? 
because most of the time when we have these longer sitting bourbons, they tend to have a lot more of that wood flavor. I had this uh, early on. I don't yeah. remember the flavor profiles, but early on when I was drinking bourbon, and um, I think from what I remember, it's going to be tried and true to old school bourbon taste. Yeah. What's the uh, what's the proof on it? Fifty. Oh, sorry, hundred proof. Hundred proof. proof. That's okay. so, and we'll 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 go ahead and specify this. So when it, when a when a bourbon or whiskey is bottled in bond, there's I think four yeah four criteria that it has to meet strictly. First one it has to be distilled in a single distilling season, right? So either between January through June or July through December. It can't it can't span that in any way, shape, or form. It has to be aged at least four years. Okay. It has to be bottled at exactly 100 proof, which means different than barrel strength, where barrel strength, they don't add anything to soften the mm-hmm. alcohol, right? Here, they will add water to bring it down to exactly 100 proof. And then it has to bear the name and number of the distilled spirits plant where it was produced. And if different, the DSP number of the bottling facility. And that was a strict regulation, so, so you weren't drinking ethanol. Speaking of backwoods Kentucky, right? Yep. Yeah. So that's what that's what bottled and bond means. Awesome. Well, yep. I'm gonna go ahead. We, I poured this out. Let's go ahead a, a little bit ago. Let's uh, cheers it up, boys. See what kind of notes we're getting from it. Hopefully, smooth. Right. <laughs> this isn't uh, huh. uh, Kenny Kenny G. This is more like Kenny Loggins. Kenny I don't G. I don't know if it's. Oh yeah, Bad Mom's Christmas. Yeah. Great yeah, cameo. definitely that Oscar, I mean, right immediately to what you were saying, that that old school bourbon, like yep. yeah. a lot of the time there, we have these higher proofs, these hundred proofs that it's either the ethanol is not present or the ethanol is fully present. It's and fully I think present. this one is for me, like it blends very well with the, with the, with the nose. Like, yeah, it's very much what you want to smell when you're, yeah, you know, old still get that bourbon. kind of vanilla caramel. Yeah. Definitely getting a little bit of wood, a little bit of cherry. Yeah. Oak and leather. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A little bit of the cherry. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. And I mean, like I said, I love the color on Some it. For vanilla. being seven years, it's it's a great, great amber. I don't know if it's vanilla or caramel. My my sniffer's off. Yeah. Been battling a cold that's been circulating through my house for like a month now. <laughs> I think we all have. I've been sick for like a, a month and a half. All right. I'm going to go ahead and take, take the first sip of sip. I, I, I was watching some old videos. And uh, JC in the first in the first two episodes, man, he goes, it's time for a sippy sip. A sippy sip. A little sippy sip. <laughs> he was always so cheerful, man. He was like, hey, He got buddy. so excited. He always would yeah, get so excited. It's time for a sippy sip. It was awesome. This thing going. Man. Sipperooski. Sip sipperoo. A lot more spice than I thought there was going to be. A lot more herbal than i remember it yeah and it's not i think the finish is nice and oaky though yeah it's like a like a not i don't know it's kind of like a, a dark herbal mm-hmm. if you will you know not like well, a, i mean and it's not like a floral but like spice it's i mean spite like a yeah like a, almost like, like an a anise uh allspice kind of yeah deal. yep Coriander. but <clears throat> it's like we always talk about complexity when it comes to bourbon and even on the first obviously your first sip of a bourbon you always get the heat first. That's it. every bourbon sipper is going to tell you. Up front, like, it, it not feels very smooth. Doesn't mm-hmm. doesn't burn too too much. But again, we are right. 50, it does give you, know, you a little bit of that kick, though. I mean, it, it oh no, it's there. It's, it's definitely sure. there. It the, the burn sits on the tip of my tongue and on the on the roof of my mouth. Mm-hmm. But like the evolution of this flavor is incredible as far as a sipper. Just straight up, it, you get the burn. 
Then I feel like you get the spice, then the, the char barrel, the oak, then it goes to that sweetness on the back end and sits more with that like caramel vanilla. Yeah, I think it's, it, does, it doesn't end with a bitter. Yeah, no. exactly. It, it goes down and you get the burn mm-hmm. and that lingers, but you don't get a bitter note. I think cause there, I mean, there's the honey notes in there for sure. Yeah. And I think that rounds out like the oak mm-hmm. and the char. Yeah, you, you drink it and it's like, baby, lock the door and turn the <laughs> yeah. lights Well, it, I think to your point, like you said earlier, Valentine's Day. This is, not to follow it up with being weird, but my mom was the one that turned me on to this bourbon. <laughs> nice. Oh, yeah. Well, Jameson, you got a unique situation, right? Your mom tried bourbon, started to like bourbon. Your dad still doesn't? Still doesn't. Yeah. Except, oh, <laughs> except he will drink this. Okay. That's why I, when we were talking about it, because I was at the house and and my mom was like, yeah, your dad, you know, he'll, he, he'll make the face. Yeah. And he, she goes, but I poured him this and he drank it neat. And was like, oh, this is actually really good. I'm like, hmm. No, it, this is good. It has like yeah. a sweet tart kind of yeah. sweet, a little bit of tart, see, not bitter. Yeah. I'm interested um, to see how JC's glass opens Yeah, my, up. my mom doesn't drink and my dad doesn't drink hard mm-hmm. liquors. He'll, he's a beer guy kind of guy. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I can never enjoy it with the family. My wife drinks bourbon. That's nice. what we do. Hell I yeah. wonder if the natural evolution is like, if you're an IPA drinker, you'll eventually be a bourbon drinker. Because there, <laughs> there, there are very few people that I know that just like pound Bud Lights and Coors Lights that are also bourbon yes. drinkers. Yes. Well, and I think at some point you have to realize if you're pounding pounding Bud Light, you you have one goal. True. You True. know what I mean? Like, <laughs> nobody drinks hydrate. Bud Light. Nobody hydrate. drinks Bud yeah. Light and goes, ah, this is, uh, you know what? This is great Bud Light gives me Bud Light gives me heartburn. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm a Coors Light guy. Well, if you give funny, me lager, like, I'm Coors Light. See, I remember. If you give me any kind of light beer, it's now, especially in my yeah. advanced age, yeah. the only one I can drink without feeling like absolute dog shit the next morning are Modelo's. Yeah. You give Modelo's, me Modelo's, yeah. I will pound Modelo's and not even just well, pound them. Like I, they, I, I genuinely believe they taste fantastic. That's why last year Modelo overtook Bud Light for the first time in history. Well, that well they and, also had that. Yeah. That. They had the they had the entire middle of America going, <laughs> fuck Bud Light. Yeah. yeah Kid Rock burning. True. Yeah. Shit down yeah, because so that, of it. that also had something to do with it yeah. because that was the one time that like I don't want to say redneck America, but conservative America was like, you know what? I know we said fuck immigrants, mm-hmm. but fuck transgenders first. <laughs> and you know what, immigrants, you actually make really good beer. So come on over. Yeah, come on over. That's you know, awesome. it's and and they lost. They lost in the billions. Oh, oh yeah. In oh, months. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Months. They lost billions yep. of dollars. Yeah. Well, I mean, which is crazy. Like I just man. said. Who normally drinks Budweiser or Bud Light? Exactly. Like, no, you're, no, you're, yeah, you're, you're, you're going to take any, anybody at a Jason And this is more of a <laughs> Dilfs and Dinks conversation, but you're going to take a beer that's primarily bought by See, this middle is, America in the down. Midwest, and you're going to just get woke and then have a transgender just, hey, what's up? And then sponsor that. It's going to have a, there, it's a wrath going to be yeah. behind well, that. Yeah, and, and it, it's... Not you know, don't want to get too far down into. Yeah, the we're not we're not condoning <laughs> any of this shit. We're yeah, just bringing just, up facts. Yeah, All I said was Modelo's are fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> but um, and I think it's I remember when I first started drinking like college wise, and it was I would come in with a case of Bud Light and I'd be like, Yeah, I'm drinking tonight, and I didn't drink Bud Light for like I think it was probably a year and a half, yeah. and I had a sip of a Bud Light and I remember like there was a mirror in front of me if there was a copy of myself I would have punched punched myself and be like what the you it's like those, that, those T-Mobile commercials. You know, hold on, but the, so it's like, hey, hey, common. Yeah, like, there, there's a, there's okay, a story on, on my end about that. So we were my youngest, one of my younger cousins was still in college, and we, we were having a party at my sister's house, and we we had bought these legit tournament style punk, uh, beer pong tables. Mm-hmm. So he's like, I got it. You know, I'm visiting you guys. I'll go buy the beer, and he was still going to uh, Texas Tech, so he's still in college. You know, he comes back with a 30 pack of, um, I think it was a. Uh, Paps or natural ice or Little some PDR, cheap beer. Baby. 
And I remember one of my other cousins, um, my cousin Fabian looks at him and says, bro, we got jobs. I ain't drinking this shit. <laughs> and he got all hurt. And I was like, dude, just, yeah, let's go get some Coors Light or something. I can't drink this. My dad got super excited. He was over for the Super Bowl. And uh, he was like, I was like, you want some drink? No, I'm good. I'm good or whatever. And then we have a little beer fridge. And my buddy two weeks before had brought over PBRs. And he's like, brought like a six pack. I'm like, bro, we, we're not at UNC anymore. Like, what the fuck yeah. are you doing, Mike? You know, it's crazy, but but my dad, now, my dad pops open the refrigerator and he goes, "Oh shit, PBR." Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, people excited. people like them now, and also, so I mean, it's marketing, like, marketing is fabulous. Bush. P- I was gonna say PBR is the Bush I would light. Say people the, drink the hell out of I Bush Light now. Never PBR is the is the uh, is the regional choice of Western North Carolina. Yeah. You, you know that. what? I drink Montucky. <laughs> I'll tell you choice. what. What my dad also got though that I was proud of him for. He brought. He's got a connection to bring Yingling. Nice. Oh, that's a good beer. Yeah, Old yes. style and Yingling, you currently get out east. Those are yep. good beers. I, I grew up on Yingling. There's, like, a, there's a gas station in Kansas, uh, east of Salina, that sells it now. It's the closest dis- or liquor store distribution deal that has Yingling. You can drive three hours, go get it. It's an expensive Yingling, nice. but it's good. It's expensive Yingling. Nice. I don't got anything else to do. Yeah, Coors <laughs> Banquet. Let's go. My dad's, well, my dad's I, retired. I, I, I love the conversation around the alcohol. But we got to talk real is, estate. We well, got, no, this is actually, it's, it's good, right? Because the what we did today for today's episode, um, honestly, you've probably seen it across social media. Some podcasts are based all around this, but we figured this would be a great way to kind of get our hands, our hands in the, the minds of the public a little bit better. Um, we all know Reddit is a phenomenal, you know, uh, uh, kind of conversation area where so many people can share their insights, questions, all that kind of stuff. I mean, I think my entire generation grew up learning most of their stuff from Reddit, right? Um, so what we're going to do on today's episode, so my Reddit's all messed up. I went it, down a rabbit hole there. Uh-oh. Yeah. My, the algorithms changed oh, on you. Oh yeah. It's, it's bad. <laughs> my wife's like, what do you do? I was like, I, mm. <laughs> it, it was all watching those, uh, those live AIs on TikTok. It's, no, it was bad. It was worse. <laughs> But we pulled some some questions, some experiences from Reddit, and we're going to go over them, just have kind of an, an open conversation about it as we're drinking on the bourbon. So stick around um, because these are real life uh, questions and, and occurrences that people are experiencing. Well, and that we've right experienced now. too. I mean, yeah. There's right. some of these I'm like, oh, I've been part of this. Yeah. So here's the first one. I'm the buyer. The seller lied about the furnace age. So here's the background. Recently purchased a home. And on the disclosure form, the previous owner stated that the furnace was less than six years old. They've already closed in or closed and moved in. Cut to a few months later, they find that the furnace is actually 24 years old. Is there anything they can do legally? Does it technically qualify as fraud or is it one of those should have been caught in the inspection thing? Should have been caught in inspection. Should have been caught Yeah, you, in the you call your inspector at that point. Yep. They're, they're, they're licensed. I don't know. You might go somewhere with it. You might not, but... Um, I don't care what the seller's property disclosure because that's a there's a there's a document within our documents that once you go on a contract, it's in the seller's good faith to tell you their best knowledge of the furnace. Because what if it's a single mom that mm-hmm. there's a divorce and you know the husband took care of it, mm-hmm. or vice versa, the the husband didn't know anything, the wife took care of it, and she's gone. He has limited uh, knowledge. He's not an HVAC tech. Hey, I think we it, maybe it was just a service call. And they thought they got it replaced. Mm-hmm. And to their knowledge, their best knowledge, they got it replaced six years ago and it yep. was just a service call. So who's to say that they're not giving you the truth? It's your inspector's job to go make sure it's functioning. If it's 24 years old, there's going to be some shit going on with that furnace. The flames aren't going to be burning, right? They're going to have some orange flames. I mean, there's tall tale signs. On top of that, he's going to look for the age of the furnace. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's an inspection, well, an inspector and, issue. And, and, and you know, follow and that's up on a that, big one. It, oh, it's huge. Well, and, and it's funny because... 
I, I went, I went through that experience on a, with a client last year where we found, I found him a condo. It was under his monthly payments, checked five out of five boxes. His parents could walk to the grocery store. It was two stories. He could rent out or three stories. He could mm-hmm. rent out the basement, everything. Inspection came out and inspector is, is great. Chris Walter, shout out to you. Um, I've used them for mostly all of my inspections so far. And, you know, as a real estate agent, we, when, when you get those done, where it, it's one of those ball, not in your throat kind of moments, you're waiting because at the end of the day, that could change an entire, an entire mm-hmm. transaction, right? Everything on this property came back well and came back. Okay. But on his inspection sheet, he has three colors that identify different <laughs> levels of, of issues. And there's red, yellow, and green. And, you know, while I, w- I walk through the inspection with him, we look at it. He's like, wow, man, these are actually really clean. The furnace is great. The, the water heater looks really good. The flame looks good. Um, but it is end of life according to our statistics, according to the info. Yes. Right? So he had to put on that inspection sheet, hey, these are end of life. And that killed our entire deal because something like that can end up costing you upwards of $10,000. Yep. See, and there's ways to negotiate around that too. It's, yeah. um, it works. It's functioning. Really, if it's working, I'm not going to replace something that's working. Mm-hmm. So you come back and say, okay, well, let's get it certified. Yep. No HVAC tech's going to come back and say, okay, I'm going to certify this for at least five years. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. that's at the end of it. And I've seen furnaces. I've literally have <laughs> seen furnaces that have been in for 50 years. Yeah. yeah well, And, and I've seen brand yeah. new furnaces that fail within a year. Yeah. So it's Oscar makes, crap shoot. Oscar makes a good point. So if you're a buyer and you are worried about this, because in my head, right, when we when we do inspections, my main concern is major health and safety. Mm-hmm. Roof, HVAC, plumbing, sewer, um, foundation. Electrical. Right, electrical. Those are, those are the big kind of seven that we look at. When it comes to something like furnace age, there are times, and you've seen this, I know you've seen this, I the first thing I do when I go to the furnace and the water heater, I go and look for the plaque that tells me when it was manufactured. Mm-hmm. Seven out of 10 times, that plaque's gone, right? Eight out of 10 times, it doesn't have a service call history. So what can you look for? If I'm a buyer and as an agent, we do this. I, there's a couple of telltale signs. Oscar mentioned a few of them. Number one, look at the pilot light. Is it burning a clear blue flame or is it burning orange or green or yellow? That means that it's there could be something faulty there. That's why it sucks. The compression, yep. Uh, number two, look at the drip pans below the furnace. See if there's any leaks. Corrosion. Um, you can usually tell by the drip pan itself, like, yeah, this motherfucker's old. There's rust. There's mm-hmm. rust, yeah. right? And, three, and that, that goes the, not only to the furnace, but that's AC too, yep. right? Yeah, look at the, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to include water we're not heaters. Eight, we're not yeah. HVAC techs no. by any means. No. Stuff but I'm going to include water heaters in this too, because yeah. that's another big one. Look for any signs of corrosion, right? Yep. If you are seeing pipe fittings mm-hmm. that are crusted over, calcified, rusted, et cetera, that is a red flag. Doesn't mean that it's not functioning correctly, but it's a red flag. Yep. Look for those things and have that <coughs> top of mind as you're asking, hey, what should I look for from an inspection standpoint? To Oscar's point, if I'm a listing agent and the AC and the furnace and the water heater work perfectly fine, but they're old, I'm not going to be keen to suggest that we replace those things because you're essentially asking me to replace something that currently works. So that next step would then be, then maybe get somebody to certify it because here's what happens, right? Let's say you're a buyer and you say, hey, I want you to certify, inspect and certify a furnace in general, right? Costs like called 180 bucks for the seller to do, maybe $200, not a big deal. Right. What ends up happening is that that HVAC tech will come out and they'll inspect it. But if it doesn't pass specific check marks, they cannot certify. Yep. What does that now do? For $180, you just found out 
it gives the life, you a, the potential lifespan. And it gives you a negotiation standpoint. Why does it give you a negotiation standpoint? Because at that point you could either get it replaced or negotiate. Hey, you know what? It's still functioning. But how about I give you half of the money to put in a new one? Um, it could go and. And why would the seller want to do that? Because no, no one's going to go in and will not. Because what, where's it have, well, where does it have to show up now? now if they go now, back on market. Now they got to disclose it. Yeah. Well, now they have to disclose it. Let's so. talk about another another option that you have there as well that could be cheaper as a seller. Full home warranty. A one-year home warranty. Right? Correct. And it is a little trickier with one-year home warranties. You can do it. You get, there's certain time frames yeah. that you want to, like, usually it's like you three four, months. 14 months. But then um, but you still, if they you, come and look at it. Yeah. They're gonna wanna they're gonna wanna know it's functional yeah, too. But yeah, well, if you get something certified <clears throat> and they cannot certify, you can go to the seller and say, Hey, Mr. Mrs. Seller, this HVAC tech cannot certify this. So and, unless we do something about it, we're gonna walk. And the seller's gonna go, Well shit, they're gonna ask their agent, Well, do I have to disclose it's not certified? That or get a second opinion. In and, which and, case now there's And I'm not too money. sure because I haven't I haven't read through a warranty in a while. I, I provide them, but I've it's been a while since I've read through one. But I'm pretty sure there's verbiage in there that if the furnace was, you know, if it's if it was already old or something was wrong with it mm-hmm. prior to getting the warranty, they'll give you a percentage on it only. Yeah. Correct. And been, if it's not, if it hasn't been able to be certified, they will not warranty that repair. Yeah. Right. Well, and at the, uh, all, and what I was saying is at the same time though, instead of offering $5,000, mm-hmm. if you want to make it a little bit easier, you, you could, all, you could, that's another option is yep. to do a whole home warranty because it does cover major, major appliances like that. And obviously there's steps that you have to go yes. through and checks that you have to make, but the whole point of that is there's options, right? Correct. You can give you can give a concession for it. You can get whole home warranty. You can replace it. But at the same time, and I think Jameson, you said these are a lot of for sale by owners, right? Uh, this one, no, this one was from a buyer. Just from right? a buyer. Just from a buyer. So in in my mind, right, and and the reason I think about it like this too is I'm currently helping a couple look for condos, and there's one that we're going to look at on uh, tomorrow night that says this is listed as is. And to Oscar's point earlier, mm-hmm. saying you know. The seller's property disclosure is good, but you can't rely on it. In the listing itself, it basically says this is this is a property that was transferred over. She, the owner is technically in a, in a nursing home. She doesn't have any prior knowledge. So as much as getting a, everybody says, oh, well, there's a seller's property disclosure. It is You have to understand that seller, seller's property disclosures are as they know it now. It's right. not, and, it and does not guarantee anything for at you. At the end of the day, um, at, at least here in Colorado, our contracts are... As is, mm-hmm. yes, they're not. By they're default, not. They're not saying correct. that they're going to fix anything. It literally, when agents write this property sold as is, it's redundant. Our yep. contract says it's all. It's as is, and it's up to the buyer to do his or her due diligence to make sure the house is up to par to where they want to buy. And this is an important distinction to make as a buyer, because mm-hmm. a lot of people will say, "Well, they're selling this house as is, so I either can't do an inspection or I can't ask for anything." Neither of those things are true. Neither. You can do whatever the hell you want as a buyer. You can ask for whatever you want as a buyer. It's up to the negotiation between the two parties whether or not they're going to do something. Because I know there, I've talked to people that go, well, I don't want to look at this house because it says as is. It means it's the Every house is as is. Right? Yep. Every house is as is. So go look at it. And then if you do like it, go under contract and understand you still have a right to inspect the property. Even if they promote that the house is as is Correct. and the seller will not repair anything. Do it anyway. It does not give you, yeah. it does not take away your <laughs> nope. right to do an inspection. You may not be able to ask for anything, right. but hey, maybe you're okay with what is there. I'm sorry. And you well, not only, not only that, but. But well, even at the end of the day, if it's some small, say, hey, it's a hundred bucks. Are you're not, you're going to let this or, deal go for a hundred yeah, bucks? Exactly. Or what if this property is sitting on the market now for 200 days? The longer it's on the property, the seller is going to be more motivated to compromise mm-hmm. as the property. You're going to drop the price twenty grand, or are you just going to put in a six thousand dollar furnace? Exactly. Yep. Yep. <laughs> what, what? What? You know? Absolutely. Choose yep. your poison. Absolutely. All right. Okay. 
What's the right. uh, what, what, what's next our one. next? This what's one, our next one from the Reddit archives? This one actually surprised me. Um, so this one, the headline is: Are we shortchanging ourselves by not rate shopping? Surprised me for two reasons. Number one, they're working with some a realtor, obviously that uh, wants to have them work with a preferred lender and is putting that above what's best for the client, which should never happen. Number two, seventy six percent of home buyers only shop one lender. And as a realtor, how many lenders should you promote? Three. Three. Yep, three. Always three. So here is the uh, the story, right? Once upon a time, <laughs> uh, my partner and I have been looking in southern New Jersey for two years. It's a competitive market and taxes are high, which they are. We finally found a house we love and we're going to see it today listed for two seventy five. Must be nice. Damn. Must a house, be nice. A house for $75,000 in New Jersey. <laughs> Probably in like Newark. Um, <laughs> if thinking if all goes well, we'll offer up to two eighty five. We are pre-approved. Working with our realtor's mortgage guy, he quoted us a 7.1% interest rate, right? Which, if you guys know right now, that's par- probably par rate, roughly, maybe with a half a point for most people, not credit unions. We can get into that, why it's important to shop. We both have a 792 credit score. I want to rate shop. Partner, like thinks, five and a half. partner thinks it is what <clears> it is. How can I approach this with the mortgage guy? I have spoken to some people who said they have a guy who can get six something, recommending Rocket mm-hmm. or a credit union. Any advice? Together, we bring in almost 150000 and it is so frustrating. Oscar, I'll let you take this one off. You know what? I, I, I rate shop all the time. We have tons of friends that are that are lenders, and, and they know. And they know that we know other lenders. And yep. um, I think some lenders have uh, different guidelines, and you know, it's whatever gets the deal done for the consumer. Um, but I always tell the consumer to shop it. Shop it. I, I've shopped them for you. Here's the three that I think have the better rates, because at the end of the day, it's also who you get along with. Well, if they don't get along with the other the other lender, then shoot them to the curb and you go take a half point higher. I, I think the care. most important thing to, um, to, to emphasize here, uh, going off of last week, a myth around lending and something that not a lot of people really, really know um, from my own experience is when you start the, from the second that you get pre-approved and your credit is pulled, you get a 30-day window to shop different rates and that will not affect your credit because well, so many people believe that oh if i go from this lender to this lender to this lender now i'm taking three or four hits you and could, my credit's going to be even worse but not even that don't you don't you could have the conversation with them and 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 say hey i don't want you to pull my credit here's my Stop. story yep. and yep. they'll either run the scenario and say hey this is where the rates this is the threshold of the rate and then you decide okay then they could do a soft pull mm-hmm. which won't affect you and within the lending world if you go car shopping and four dealerships for your credit it's going to drop it regardless yes. 30 30 days or not mm-hmm. with the mortgage side i think up to three or four could pull it without it dropping your rate yes now the underwriter is going to come back when you're getting close to closing and mm-hmm. say why is there you know for inquiries from other lenders, you know, what's going on. And then you tell them while well, I was shopping. Well, and here's, here's so two things, two very important things. Number one, uh, we hear about this all the time, uh, letters of explanation, right? Yep. The under like. So if I am working with somebody who's good and I am able to divulge the full story, Hey, these guys have shopped three different people before, so on and so forth. My lender would say, awesome. Let me just have them email me why they are shopping for three or four different rates. So I have that on file. So inevitably when underwriting comes back and goes, Hey, why did they, why did their credit get pulled four times in 27 days by A, B, and C that, that letter's there done. Mm -hmm. Now you just save two or three days, right? Right. The second piece is, and Charlie, I want you to go over this as a realtor. What does it mean when we say we have a fiduciary duty to our client and (laughs) how does that relate to this as a realtor 
it is our job to make sure, and I'm going to make this as simple as possible. It is our job to make sure that the transaction is the best it can be for you, regardless of any other factor. Fiduciary means that everything that I do is in the benefit of you. I have to do, make every decision to make sure that you're getting the best deal, the best information, the best opportunities ahead of you. That is, that is what a real estate agent should be doing. Your best interest is my only objective. Exactly. And that should lend itself to whoever you're working with, either, like Oscar just said, pre-shopping rates, just based on what he knows or she knows as your realtor, and encouraging you to get second opinion. To get second opinion. So, yep. for example, right, right now, rates went up a little bit. I think the average 30-year fixed is 6.83. It's a little bit up over where it was last year. This is on Valentine's Day, right? February 14th. But Oscar and I have talked about this. So Oscar, what are, if I go to a, any real major lender, I'll probably get a 6.8, maybe a 6.7, depending on if I want to pay some more points, right? Um, points just mean a dollar amount. You can buy it down. Based on the loan amount that gets you to a lower interest rate. So a point is 1% of your loan amount. So if your loan is 600,000 and it goes, it costs one point to get in from a 7% to a 6.5, I'm paying an extra $6,000 at closing to get a 6.5% interest rate. What are you seeing with credit unions? Uh, credit unions actually, well, Ant works a little different. They have a buy-down uh, on the rate, and it's only like $3,500. Um, flat, my, right? Flat, and it, won't, it, won't, it, it might not get you a full point down, but it gets you half point, sometimes less, sometimes more. And um, you also have to understand uh, when you're going into a real estate contract, you're under contract, and it's a, it's a legal binding contract. When you're dealing with lenders, you're dealing with documents and whatever you sign is just a document. It's not legal binding. Yep. You could pull and go anywhere you want without having any legal ramifications. Now, if they want to charge you for a credit pull up front and because they were going to pay for it, they might come after you for that. Or if they've done an appraisal and they got to eat that cost, they might come after you for that. But other than that, it's not a legal binding contract with the lender. You can definitely shop, um, shop them. If you don't want to hurt someone's feelings, if it's going to cost you yeah. money f forget the feelings you yeah, know I'm have so, your realtor yeah, do it because yeah. i'll make that phone call all day all day all day well and, and it's i think it's something too where you know it, it and i think the reason jameson brought up the, the fiduciary duty thing is like if reading this mm -hmm. hearing that i think all three of us just go like that red explanation you know exclamation mark pops up bing it's like wait a second your your realtor isn't telling you regularly no Find the best rate for yourself. Because a realtor like, just wants to get the deal done. Yeah. Like, right? And, it, and it's just, but that's not fiduciary. That is the not approach fiduciary. That, the approach that I use is I'll work with anybody. Mm -hmm. And I have worked with fantastic lenders that are more expensive. And I've worked with horrible lenders that are cheaper. But at the end of the day, like I take on that responsibility for my client, mm -hmm. right? And I will go to bat for them regardless of who they work with. Do I like to work with other people more? Yes, because I know from a, uh, a simplicity standpoint, it's going to make the transaction more enjoyable, but that depends on the buyer. What is their goal? Is their goal to pinch every penny possible and get the cheapest rate with the least, on, on, least amount out of pocket? Then we're going to go that rate. If they don't mind spending a premium to work with somebody that potentially is going to have a better scenario, less hurdles, less surprises, right. et cetera. Customer service. You but at the end of the day, our job is to just, here's the table. You, It's a buffet. Mm -hmm. Pick what you like. Mm -hmm. I'll work with anything. I'll you, provide you the plate. <laughs> you may you may pick a lender that's going to cost you a quarter of a point higher, but their service is so outstanding that it's seamless and it gets you to the closing table without any headaches. Or do you take that quarter point less, have some hiccups, have some stresses, but you get it there. Sometimes a quarter of a point might be worth 
Well, and pain, which and at the end a, of the day, it's maybe 20 bucks. So I got a, I got my buddy bucks, that I, I went know. to go visit down in Arizona. He's getting pretty serious about buying, buying a property while, while he's down there. And it was funny cause he, you know, when, when he first started looking, he's, he's asking for my help, obviously he's sending me Zillow listings like, Hey, what does this look like? How does this look? Um, and Hey, real quick. Did you help him pick that realtor? No, I, I, I know, I know. But I want to make it easier on him. For but shame. where I'm going with it, where I'm going with it is Referral he baby. he went on <coughs> he went on Zillow, right? And he's looking on Zillow. He's sending me Zillow leads, and he even asked, he's like, "I want to go see the property." I was like, "It's okay <clears> to <throat> use the Zillow agent to go look. That's totally fine." But hold on, hold on. But <laughs> let me know. Let me know what he fire says. Over here. Let me know. Let me know what he says. Let let me know about your Don't experience. <laughs> the reason that the reason that I, I I I was like, yeah, go for it, and I bring it up is because he went with the realtor, had a horrible experience. Right. And he was like this, this guy was just talking about his own properties, his own business, the money that he makes. And then, you know, he got, he got, he went and got a rate he got looked at from a lender and he, he came back and he was like, Hey dude, my, uh, I'm on a VA loan and I got around 6.75. I was like on a VA loan right now. What do you, what do you, what do you mean? And he goes, well, I, you know, I, I went with the, 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 uh, lender that Zillow recommended me. And I was like, what okay. should be Zillow home loans? Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so he goes through, it doesn't, doesn't go well, calls me back and he's like, Hey man, I just, uh, I just went through and found another, my buddy referenced me a lender and I got like 0.2% lower. And I was like, yeah, man. Like, and the reason I say that and bring it up is specifically for the story is because that just goes to show like right there. And the thing that kills me. And if you guys are watching the video, you see how Oscar and Jameson just looked at me when I said, yeah, go with the Zillow realtor. Right. It, but that I, the reason I bring it up like that is because so many people, mm -hmm blatantly and blankly trust Zillow and Redfin that it's, it becomes a thing where it's like, if you don't shop around, if you don't know that you can, you're going to get stuck with a shitty agent and probably with a, with a loan and, and a APR rate that you're not going to like that. And you could benefit from. So in that vein of like shop your shop, your mortgages, shop your lenders, please don't just take what Zillow and Redfin offer you mm -hmm. because just because they're a common site. No, 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 no. There is, like, a, there is a difference too because we market with, with Zillow as a Maha perspective. Yeah. Um, we are not a Zillow agent. We just market with the Zillow company mm -hmm. and there is a difference there. So yeah. what Charlie's saying there, Zillow has agents that they, mm -hmm. they employ. I, I don't know here in Colorado if they still do that or not. And I know they, pull that. Colorado, they, do, they, they, pulled, they pulled from a lot of yeah. states and Redfin does though. Redfin and does, yes. they do a lot of weird shady stuff and you know, it's, they, they, they go by volume and agents that don't do their own marketing. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. not the best agents, they just need, you know, a, a job. Um, you know, if you, if you, you take care of your real estate as, as a, as a business, you know, I take pride in my work. Yep. Um, you know, you're going to get quality over, you know, quantity. Don't just take what they give you guys. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Don't. Um, <laughs> so this is a very quick and the way, And the reason we cringe is because if, if someone comes in and they're not tight in and it's a yeah. Zillow agent, I'm going to convert that buyer. Oh, yeah. be like, mm -hmm. uh, I want to answer this very quickly. This is another question on Reddit. Uh, and I think it's, it's very important, especially because you got a lot of people been on the sidelines for a long time. The title is rate versus APR. And okay. the uh, question is, which percentage are you supposed to use to determine your mortgage? For example, my husband and I are looking to use a VA loan as first time home buyers. Quick Loans is offering the following. Which percentage should we use to estimate our mortgage? I don't know why they used FHA and whatever, but uh, for the 30 year, the fixed rate is 6.49, but the APR is 6.911. What's it's, the difference? Uh, the interest rate. Um, the, the APR is, um, you'll find a breakdown if you ask your lender to give you your till or the truth in lending. So the APR is all the rates bundled in together that averages out the rate. 
the interest rate is different. The interest rate is what's going to calculate your amortization of your loan. Um, the APR is all the costs when you purchase the home, and that's when they average out the yep. APR. And more often than not, if you're looking at APR versus interest rate, there's a cost associated mm-hmm. with that. And then the APR is always going to be higher. Correct. So, and 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 you don't calculate um, the same. Use a mortgage calculator. Yeah. So in, in this scenario, right, when it says six point four nine versus six point nine one, if somebody's looking to estimate their loan cost, what should they use? The cost. Like, sorry, the loan amount per month. The loan payment. Yep. Uh, the the interest rate. The not interest the, rate. Not the, not the APR. APR. No. Nope. Yep. So hopefully that answers that for you. APR is just the total breakdown. The interest rate, what you're actually paying for at closing. That is what is going to determine what and your monthly the two mortgage documents, is. The two documents you should always ask your lender to explain yes. and you look at is the good faith estimate because mm-hmm. on there is going to be all your charges, uh, your closing costs, your yep. everything that you're going to uh, need to purchase your home. And the truth in lending is going to go through APR. Yeah, because for I mean, at the end of the day, right, if I'm if I'm buying down my, my loan to a 6.49 from a 6.911, that cost is a closing cost. So it doesn't affect your monthly payment. And towards the end, when you, um, when you're getting ready to close, um, look for your preliminary, um, settlement statement because you want to compare your settlement statement to your, your, your good faith estimate. They have to coincide. If not, your settlement statement should be lower than your good faith estimate because the good, but good faith estimate, if it's any higher, Mm -hmm. the lender has to abide by the lower of the two. All right. How many more more do we have time for? Uh, We got, we got time for at least one more, at least one more, at least one more. Okay. So here's your choices. Instant regret after purchasing a home. It's headline one. Seller raising asking price after accepting an offer. Ooh. Option two. Uh, this one's interesting. I sold my house to buy another house. I paid 5% deposit and signed the contract. However, I haven't settled yet. And now they changed their mind and don't want to sell. Do I get financial compensation or does nothing happen? And mm. then the last one would be um, useless Redfin realtor. <laughs> You know I want to talk about that one, but I, I think I think the I I would like to go over the changing the seller changing okay. the, the price. All right, we can do uh, that. Be, be, I mean, you could, we could we could combine those two: the price and them not wanting to sell anymore. Yeah. yeah. So we'll do the price first. Um, and this one is around appraisals, right? So back two years ago, and I'm just setting the table. We had scenarios where a house would be listed at 600, you'd have 10 to 15 offers coming in, and the eventual purchase price would be 650. More often than not, people would ask for what's called an appraisal gap, meaning well if the house doesn't appraise for 650, we want to we want to cut we want the buyer to cover that gap because the lender will not loan on a property that is overvalued. Is essentially what it is, right? So if let's say you the house is listed at 600, the final offer and purchase price was 650 and the home appraised at 620, there's a $30,000 gap that the buyer would have to cover. Okay, so that's the, that's the premise. So here it is. This is like a Dear Abby letter. <laughs> I need some advice. Also, talk to your fucking realtor. And if they don't know, get a different realtor. Don't go on Reddit. This entire, like, I don't know if you guys can see this, right? This entire question could be answered by any three of us with a phone call. Probably <laughs> with, over, within two minutes. Probably over a glass of whiskey if you guys really want to just have a good time. Okay, <laughs> so I'm going to read it anyway. But this is why it's important to make sure you're working with the right person. I am currently under contract to buy a home for $278,000. Again, this must be East Coast. <laughs> they accept it. After inspections, we found roof is at the end of its life and they found plumbing to be rusted in a spot where roots have broken through. So congratulations, you guys got an inspection done. Great. Appraisal came in a few days later at 280. Now, I don't know what the list price was. Okay. Okay, it doesn't say here. So that is important information. I don't know if the list price was 280 and it was 278. I don't know. 
no appraisal gap. So I'm assuming it was listed at 278. Mm-hmm. This is my guess, right? Just based on this information. I asked for repairs to be completed and they counteroffered a price reduction of $4,000. I rebuttaled or counter proposed a reduction of $8,000 instead. So they offered it 278. They went through the inspection and they said, okay, we'll drop the price to 274. And my, <coughs> this person's counter offer was, how about you drop it to 270? Okay. This buyer was going to accept the 4K reduction if they said, no, we're not going to drop it $8,000. All of a sudden, once they got the appraisal back, they turned around and said they will not go through the sale unless the buyer offers 280. So an extra $2,000. How does the selling agent know what it appraised for? That's their first mistake. So, okay, right. So hold on. Can they do this? My no. realtor is saying they are asking for this probably because the seller couldn't qualify for the new home unless I accepted 280. I call bullshit because there's no way that their margins were $2,000 right. from being accepted on a new home. So the realtor doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about. Number one. This seems sketchy to me because they were very willing to do the reduction first, but now want the exact value the appraisal report came in. I also did not find a contingency stating the seller must secure a home for the sale to go through, but I could have missed it. If I have the ability to sue, is it worth it to pursue over a 2K increase or just take it? Uh, I forgot to mention all these negotiations were in writing and currently the ball is in my court. The seller wants 280 and offering no credit. We're in a contract and we expect to close within 15 days. Within the contracts, at least here in Colorado, There's it so states, many things to it states so many. that the pro- if it's FHA, it states that the property needs to sell for the purchase price or lower. Um, he can't just increase it just because no. because the appraisal came in. The appraisal is not for his benefit. It's for the buyers. Correct. Why the agent disclosed as his idiocracy. But So that's an important – highlight <laughs> this, okay? So here, I, I want to make – this is very important. <coughs> If the buyer you, pays for the appraisal. The appraiser is his. It's his right to um, provide it to the seller if he wants to. And your buyer, if you're the buyer or if you're the buyer's agent, in my head, you do not tell the seller or the seller's li- the listing agent what the appraisal came in. You go, if they ask, what do you say? It appraised. It appraised. It came in at value. It came cool. in at value. There is no and, and legal they- obligation for the seller or the listing agent to know what the appraised value is. The just, seller can so you the know. seller can ask for anything they want, but and we can say no. You can say no to the appraisal, you can say no to the inspection, you can say Correct. no to any of these things. They've agreed to a certain price and that's final. Yes. Now this will uh, segue into the next one. If can can the seller are they obligated to sell? Yes. You could take them to court and, and have them perform. I had um, yeah. a buddy you can't of mine change terms unless it's agreed upon with the I had a of the buddy house. of mine Go under contract, contract. <laughs> go under contract. The seller, he had two offers. One offer came in a hundred thousand under list and another contract came in around list. He signed the wrong one. Yep. He signed the one that was a hundred thousand under. Guess what? They took him to court and he had to sell for the one a hundred thousand under. Well, it's the point he, of a contract. <laughs> well, and here's the thing, right? If I'm reading this, okay. I'm At least under- here in Colorado. In Colorado, if this is a Colorado scenario, which it's not because it's a home, so that's not happening, but let's say it's a townhome, right? I'm under contract at a agreed upon purchase price of $278,000. We go through inspection, right? Now, if they want to rebuttal and say, hey, how about this? We want you to give us two eighty. We'll give you $4,000 back. Those are all also written supplemental because contracts. Because they're both agreeing to it. Because they're both agreeing to it. But if the seller turns around and goes, I'm going to give you nothing, and their counter proposal is, and we're going to up the price, I'm going to up the price to 280 or we terminate the contract. 
then you walk away from the contract. And you know why? Well, the, and that's and, what, and I, you know, yeah. from a listing standpoint, yeah. you know why they did that? Yeah. To because walk and walk. now they know that the house is yeah. worth more and that they'll walk. Well, the other and, piece of this too. But they don't have to sign that. Yeah. Well, not only that, but hey, you guys forgot another important part of the information. The inspection found that the roof is at the end of its life, mm-hmm. that there was roots growing through the sewer lines, which now is a disclose. massive issue, which now both of those things they have to disclose. So now what happens is as a seller, and if I'm the agent talking to these people, number one, I'm going, stop, like this is dumb. They now are going to say, well, we're going to relist the house if we go back on market at 280 because that's what it appraised for. We now have to also disclose that, I mean, a sewer line replacement with roots will cost you at least five to 10 grand. Yeah, easy. Right? The roof mm-hmm. replacement here in Colorado, $35,000, yep. easy. So now you more. have to disclose both of those things, but you want to up the price of your house by $2,000. Doesn't sound like But you can't number. up it more than that because you also know the appraisal came in at 280. Mm-hmm. So you can't up the price by $35,000 and then go, oh, by the way, we're going to give you credit for the roof and the plumbing. I mean, so a, a smart negotiation on you listing side would have been like, all right, well, what would it appraise for? Well, we don't, why? I said, because, okay, we'll do a 10,000 reduction, but now we up it a few grand. So we yep. have to offset everybody. I want to talk, I want to talk to the, the seller and yep. the listing agent just so, because it, it, at brass tacks and, and be we also don't know, you know, we know it's after the inspection, after the appraisal. Well, right? I mean, here's the deal. When it says no appraisal gap, I'm assuming that the list price was less than 280. Okay. So let me ask. What, what also, appraisal gap doesn't mean anything here because, again, and you, you and I talked about yeah. this yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. What an appraisal gap means is that if I offer at 650 and the appraisal comes in lower, that is the only time an appraisal gap agreement comes into play because the bank will not loan more money than what a house or property is worth. So when he says sweet no appraisal gap, that means nothing unless the list price was 285. Mm-hmm. And he came in at 278 and it appraised at 280, then yes, there's a $2,000 appraisal gap. No, that the other happen. way around. If, if he offered more at 280 right. and he, they were on the market for yes. 260, right. then the appraisal gap comes into play. So, one, the realtor's not explaining correctly what an appraisal gap is. Number two, the appraisal should have never landed in the seller's hands or mm-hmm. the listing agent's hands because they don't have a legal right to know what it appraised at because they did not pay for that deal. All they need to know is, Yes, it appraised at value. If you, and they've already agreed to a price. If, and if you exactly, and if you walk in with equity, good on you. You guys negotiate correctly. And number three, the reason that's not the case is what Oshka just said. They agreed in contract on a purchase price. It should not. And it, it should it should not matter to the seller. Yep. He agreed to a certain price. Regardless, now the buyer has the right to walk or fix the roof. So the last question is, if I have the ability sewer to sue. Anything. Is it worth it to pursue over a 2K increase or just take it? That's a what different is, conversation. What is your suggestion? Um, tally up your costs okay. and time. Is it worth two grand, your time and money, to potentially get that money back? If it's going to cost you a couple hundred bucks, maybe. If it's going to cost you more money to to negotiate 2000 maybe not. Charlie? I, I think I, my whole question is if I was the buyer's agent right now, I would, I would just be like, yeah, don't do this. Only because even if you fight and you do get it at $2,000 off, you still have to pay to fix the roof. You still have to pay to fix the sewer line. So I would just cut the losses. Like, I understand that you love this property. property. Exactly. I understand that you love this, but there are other options out there. And why, why, if, why give yourself this headache 
just because, and I feel like this happens so much, especially now because we're so low on inventory, <coughs> that people find something that they want and they go, I'm all in, I want it. And you get, again, emotionally invested in a business mm-hmm. transaction and you go, well, I don't care. Well, that the roof plus the sewer, that that's going to cost you another 40 grand. Well, so, and as, no, as a, 2K is not worth 40 grand to me. I'm sorry. From, Back a, from a buyer standpoint, I agree. From a buyer's agent standpoint, this is what your buyer's agent should do. They should call the listing agent and say, here's the facts. Your seller wants to increase the price by $2,000. My buyer does not want to pay an extra two grand. If we walk, here's what you're left with. You're left with a property that appraised at 280. Congratulations. That also has to disclose that you need a new roof and you need a new sewer, which by my calculations, based on the vendors I've worked with, $35,000. So now what's going to happen is you're going to go back on the market. You may get another buyer that is not as desperate to get this property that is going to demand a 10 to 15 to $20,000 price decrease anyway. Not only that, now the house is going to sit on the market for another 30 to 45 to 60 days. And you have to go through this entire process again. And you're going to so is in. that worth your seller's time? Mm-hmm. Or are you guys good with just giving us the 2K and being done with it? Yep. Yeah. I, at the same time, I'm, I'm sticking with just walk. At that point. But, the, but I'm saying the point is like the agent should be reaching yes. out and laying this out because mm-hmm. we talked about it, right? There's agents that are really experienced agents that are not experienced. Sometimes it takes us to, the effort to lay out the argument so that they can then take it to their seller and go, Hey, you know what? This actually makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. You're going to lose more money by walking away from and, this contract and a, and, and, than just giving them the $4,000 that they want and calling it a day. And it's scary that some of the agents that don't know what the hell they're doing yep. sound like they do. Exactly. An agent offer on one of my properties and put in the couch and the TV in the contract. We do not add right. so property I want to do, do one more. And she sounded legit and time? I told her rewrite it. I don't think we have time okay. for one more. Man. All right. We'll <laughs> but do, I we'll will say, we, we have, maybe we This is an easy one again. though. Here's an easy one. All right, all right, go for it. New Construction is offering a 3 to one buy down starting at 2.99%. Is this a good idea? Yes. <laughs> Do it. The builder is offering a three to one buy down with an FHA loan at three and a half percent down payment. First year interest is 2.9, then 3.9, then 4.9, and then 5.9 for the rest of the loan. On a $415,000 property, it will cost 18,000 closing costs. I have to pay in a $14,000 down payment. I feel like I can make the payments, but I would like to know if it's a good deal to take. Absolutely. It's a good. Well, deal. here's a caveat though. Uh, well, no, I'm, I'm reading go, this. I'm reading this. I know, but the highest it's going to go is 5.7%. No, no, no. Check this out, okay? So normally, if a builder is offering 321- They're paying for it. They're paying for it. Yep. This is saying- That they're paying for it. That the buyer has to pay $18,000 <coughs> in closing costs to get that 321 buy down on top of their $15,000 down payment. They should be doing a $15,000 down payment yep. and at most another twelve grand to say 3% of the purchase price, uh, the builder should be covering the buy-down. But again, I, I do think that that's a conversation though. That, Why? That's because it's, again, it comes down to the, is it is it worth it for you? Exactly, but what would make it worth it? It depends on how, how long you're going to stand the house, right? At the same time, but if you're going to have to come out of pocket another $18,000 anyway, just to go with this builder, get a three, two, one buy-down, if you're willing to spend that $18,000, why not look at a non-new build with a different lender and take that $18,000 and do it yourself if you're going to do it anyway. If there is a builder <laughs> offering a three-to-one buy-down, they're they should be it. paying for that cost. Mm-hmm. If you have to pay it, all that means is you can, like Charlie's point, take that $18,000, get a three-to-one buy-down with any other fucking because lender. Because no, no, no builder is going to offer a three-to-one buy-down and not pay for it. I, that's, but the this agent's is the, not well, explaining to them. And this is why I think it's important because yeah. if somebody just says, well, if I can pay 2.9% year one, 3.9 year two, 4.9 year three, and then 5.9 is the current loan, which 5.9, I 
this was three hours ago. 5.9 is significantly below. Yes. Okay. Which means to Oscar's point, I would be willing to bet that this is being communicated incorrectly. And the buyer is under the assumption that they have to pay the $18,000 for the three to one buy down, which means they're either not working with the realtor and they're only working with the builder agent or they are working with a realtor that is not explaining how this works. But if a, then the reason the, the red flag for me is that the rest, the permanent 30 year fixed after the first three years is 5.9%. That is an unheard of rate of an unheard of rate right now, which means the builder bought that rate, which means the builder is paying that three to one buy and, down. And and their 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 documents and contracts are not the same as ours. So maybe that agent doesn't know what the hell he's looking at. It's gonna be in there as a cost. Yes. But the incentive might be twenty four thousand to cover some Chris yep. some some of the closing costs and the buy down. Well and I think it's and it's not coming out of their pocket. It looks like it's coming out of the pocket, but it's there's another section that's gonna say the incentive of the builder is yep. a higher I think this is a callback to last week though. One of the mm-hmm. myths that we covered was do I need an agent to mm-hmm. to buy a new built yep. home? The the answer was no you don't need one but if you had an experienced agent in this situation, the second that that comes across and take care of that in two minutes, they go, "Bing, wait a second, red flag, got to pay attention to this." Right? Literally, why I just I, that's yeah. why I wanted to call it yeah. out because I'm yeah. like, it, on the surface, it seems like yeah, it's a good fucking idea, two point nine percent, absolutely under six percent for thirty years. Sure, it's, wait a second, it's funny. it says it's going to cost you eighteen thousand closing costs. This is Hold like on. this is like one of those questions on a test where it's like you have to really read the question yeah. because it's that All one word. All the following are correct except. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Because at first, yeah, at first glance, you hear You it. said it too. I you said it, yeah, but let's go You didn't it. have this information. So but yeah, you, once you read I read that. through it, both of you guys were like, well, wait a second. No, the bill. <laughs> interesting. Yep. Very, very interesting. But I mean, yeah, this, this is fun. I, I like, I like this. I, think I we, like this a lot. I think we have to do this time. a little bit yeah, more. This is time. great. Let us know what you think about the topic, guys, and, and how it goes. I think this is a great, like- Real estate served via Reddit on the rocks. Thank but you, Reddit. I, I, right? I think it's, but again, I got such a good, I love it. Good one rock takeaway. I love it because it's, it's, this is insight into the public and what, and what people yes. are going through. Yeah. Um, but as always, guys, like I said, we, you know, after we talk about the topic um, and go through it, we always give our one rock takeaway for the episode, which as always, we try and keep concise, but it's us three. And, it is. You know, we've been, yeah. drink, we've been drinking some bourbon, so we are we'll talkers. see how it goes. But yeah. our one rock takeaway is just a, a, a short grab, a little snippet of, what we think to kind of round out the episode okay. uh, around what we talked about. Who wants to take it? I, I'll do it. Not all realtors are the same. Oh my God. I, I, I always think that a lot of the stuff that I think is common sense, man, there's some dumbass agents out there. I'm sorry, guys. I don't really like ragging on our industry, but there is some agents that don't know shit. It's when, not dumb, dude. I think when the threshold goes, is $350 and two tests, you hit it. I'm hit sorry. It. Me on the head. <laughs> the, 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 the threshold to entry, the barrier to entry is too low. Mm-hmm. Plain and yeah. simple. Absolutely. The cost yeah. is too low. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. You want to go? No, you go. All I'm right, still, cool. I'm still thinking. Uh, so number one, I agree with Oscar. Charlie knows this about me. I have a 10% rule. We can have a whole Dinks and Dinks and Dills, Dinks and Dills episode <laughs> on that 10% rule. But here's what my biggest takeaway is. Reading Reddit, actually just reading headlines. Everybody hates real estate agents. They're obsolete. They're ambulance chasers. They're not worth their fucking money. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. Reddit to me is the internet of the people, mm-hmm. Right. And my rock takeaway is, guys, I I have 10 questions on here from six minutes of browsing through Reddit, which tells me, and these are all home buying questions, as you guys have seen, tells me that people have questions on real estate, which means a vast majority of the public does not feel comfortable in a real estate transaction, okay? And they shouldn't. That's, that's takeaway number one. Takeaway number two is some of these questions 
I am assuming a realtor is involved, which now leads me down the road of who you work with matters and realtors matter in general because these questions, not if any of my clients asked me these, they would have no qualms about purchasing a home. So for all the people that are like, well, realtors are bullshit and they get paid too much and this, that, and the other. If that was truly the case, this entire Reddit thread would not exist, but it does, which means that expertise, experience, intelligence, negotiating skills, all that stuff matters to people. And that is why I think in 2023, the largest percentage of home buyers and sellers chose to use a realtor during a transaction at 89%. So my one rock takeaway is this. I wish you could cue the Wolf of Wall Street. (laughs) I'm not fucking leaving. We're not, realtors are not going anywhere, especially and specifically the ones that care about their clients and know what the fuck they're doing. I think for me, my one I'm not fucking leaving. <laughs> I'm not fucking leaving. I think for me, the, the, the thing that, and you know, in the same vein as Jameson and Oscar are talking about as far as who you work with yeah. matters, it blows my mind that some people, an entire thread of Redditors, of, of normal Name consumers. Thread. It's like a whole section, dude. Like, right? There's like 47,000 yeah, questions. It Just blows, in the last year. It blows my mind that so many people are willing to just shotgun a question about the biggest purchase they're ever going to make in their life to a bunch of random people on the internet and just hope that one person (coughs) has enough experience rather than just, I'm sorry, but go on your Facebook, type, go to your search bar and type in realtor. Everybody who is a realtor that's on your friends list will pop up. And I guarantee you those people will most of the time give you better information than the 12,000 people that you have to sift through that well, are it's answering like, on Reddit. I, I agree that like, I think there is a, there is a, a value in collective intelligence, Absolutely. right? However, if, if I'm right, but if I'm, if I'm going to look for collective evidence in an industry that I only have experience with once every five to seven years, mm-hmm. then I'm going to go collective intelligence of people in <laughs> Shit. that If you're willing industry, to ask a question bro, on the internet, like, there's, we're in a group called the Colorado Real Estate Industry Collective on Facebook. Over 250 real estate agents, like, go find that. Yeah. Join that. Ask the question in there. And I get it. Real estate agents, they're, they're annoying. And half the time, you don't want to get the phone call. You don't want to get the emails on that. But if you're willing to write it anonymously, just do it on a, on, on a Facebook page full of realtors and get just a little bit closer to a yep. better defined answer. Mm-hmm. Right? And that, I guess it's just... I. I'm a fan too. I do research all the time on on the internet. I love the community aspect of it, but with something that's so important as a home purchase, literally your savings, your life savings, like just put a little bit more effort in, especially if you're online. I'm I'm not, and maybe because I'm from the old school. Um, I'm a car guy. I've always been a car guy. I know how to rent on my cars. I've taken apart a lot of my cars. There's a time when I wanted to open up a performance shop. I still to this day will call my mechanic and run something by him. Not the internet. I'll go on forums on forums to see what people have added to make the cars faster, stuff like that. But when it comes to simple question, I'll call my mechanic. Yeah, but if hey, your you mechanic had a Facebook group that only yeah. had other mechanics. mechanics absolutely. Not, I'll take it a step further. <laughs> other mechanics that only work on BMWs. 
You know what I'm saying? You would then talk to those people. Where we film this podcast is right behind a Honda specialist car workshop. Like it's like. Oh, yeah. Next to them is my mechanic. Yeah. Right. And Cast Rock Imports. They do nothing but European cars. It's just, it just, I, I, I'd love to, I want to know. Like I'd love to see. This is my, this is mind blowing to me that those type of questions. Yes. Like exist. Like think about it. (laughs) There was a question. I didn't bring it up because it was the flip side of the first one that we talked about with the HVAC and whatnot. But it was from a seller standpoint saying the buyer was requesting a $6,000 credit to replace, replace, it could have been the two different people actually. That'd be hilarious if it was like on both sides. And they, both people represented by professionals were going to Reddit to to get Get advice on the same transaction. So number one, you either chose the wrong fucking realtor and there are good ones. I promise you that we give a fuck and care and are very good at our jobs. So hopefully this entices you guys to like, make sure you understand, like if I have these questions on the internet during a transaction, I need to know who I'm, who I'm working with. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. My, my latest listing, I'm not, this is not a humble brag by any means. was an online lead. I talked to, met at the house, talked to him, ended up being there for like three hours. Cause we just got along. He knows six other realtors that he has talked to and goes, you are the only one that has given me straight up, honest, reliable, and good advice and insight and took the time to put together a presentation, broke down the numbers, et cetera. He goes, so yeah, I mean, I got people that work at HomeSmart. I'm, I'm using you. Okay. I didn't do anything. I didn't know this dude from Adam from three, two weeks ago, but I also know what I'm doing. And Charlie can say the same. Oscar can say the same. There's other realtors out there that can say the same. I would say about 10% because 10% do about 90% of the volume. Um, but we know what we're talking about. And it's hard to argue against the people that don't. But when I come on Reddit and I see these questions that should be answered by realtors, all that tells me is if they are working with somebody, they are not instilling enough confidence to prevent that person from finding a second opinion on the fucking internet from strangers. Yep. Yep. So. Ooh, great episode. And this, this is why this we is drink. Good. This is good. This is good. I might do this every week. Right. Yeah, fun. yeah. Every this is a lot of good I like it. I think so. That was a good time. Um, Makes feel good about myself. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, plus I think it helps. Like, I think there's other people watching this. They're like, oh, I had that question too. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Absolutely. And that's good because hey, I don't if you guys, think uh, about uh, the dumbass questions well, because I know time, the answers. At the same time, hey guys. If you want to ask questions on the internet, yeah. go to Living in Colorado, The Mile High Perspective. We on, have a full channel yep. on that YouTube, you can baby. comment on and get these kinds of questions answered. So just, TikToks. Just, yep. just move from Reddit over, over to us because it's free. We want to talk to you. We, we want to have those conversations. Um, but uh, I, think, I think it's time now to move into the bourbon review for today's episode. And um, on today's episode, we are reviewing Heaven Hill, uh, Bottled in Bond, 7-Year, 100 Proof, and uh, yeah, I, I, I first, I want to, I want to st- take the nose on JC's glass because I, I have a specific feeling about this one. It's so Me I, I want to see, I want to see. I've only had one pour. I was limiting myself today. That sounds right. Hmm. Yeah. All right. It not gonna lie. Opposite of what I thought. The burn stayed. Stayed. It stayed. It stayed. <laughs> It stayed. It stayed. <laughs> yeah, I, I. That's the total opposite, especially with the glass that it's yeah. in. Yeah, but you know what? I, I have a hypothesis. And okay. Wolf of Wall Street. It's not going anywhere. <laughs> I'm not fucking leaving. Uh, I think it's because it's a seven year age. Bro. Yes. Yes. It's, it's exactly. It is fermented say. enough that that ethanol is there as a defining characteristic, no matter how how long it's open. Old school. 
Yep. But I like that because you know what you're getting from start to finish. Mm -hmm. But in my Glencairn, it did change because I held it for a while. Yeah. I didn't go through it fast. Um, it it mellowed out and there was a lot of maple vanilla yes. in it. Yeah. The char is still there, but it got sweeter on the back end. Yeah. I reported it and it's back to start. Yep. Yeah. It was a reset. Yep. It's kind of cool. Yeah. It is. And I think this is, this is like if you think it's like of having a, nine lives in Mario. If you think of a sipping whiskey, yes. one that you, you can count on, something that you know you're going to pour, you're going to get the same thing regardless of time. I think that that's where this one sits. Um, and I, I, the seven year plays so well into mm. the drink itself because it, it complements that, that flavor evolution of it. And I agree with both of you. I, this is still my first pour. Um, and you're a strong man. Than I, am. <laughs> <laughs> I got, I got filming. I got to do after this, but it's, I was only going to stick to one, but I had a, right? <laughs> a half a pour, but it, it's, I, for me, I like that maple on the back end. I, yeah. I really, I like that sweetness. I think Agreed. that this would lend itself so well to a a cocktail regardless of what you're making with it i think that this would make a phenomenal old-fashioned a phenomenal manhattan um even a whiskey sour but it has range yes it does it, it has range it's like uh i, I, I like uh it's like a leonardo dicaprio oh, leonardo dicaprio or like uh Mike, i'm not Mike, fucking leaving <laughs> michael bolton michael bolton of uh of bourbons over yep, here yeah or it's Kenny G. Yeah, Kenny G. It's got range. God damn it. I got Bad Mom's Christmas in my head. Yep. It's like the best I Kenny mean, G cameo of all time. Darius oh, Rucker. Kenny I mean, G. Come on. He went fuck from out of my house. to Darius Rucker. Or Darius Rucker. Yeah, he went from to country. To, come on. to country. Well, and he just did a rap song. Oh, yeah. guy, like, fuck. And he went to jail. Malone. Post Malone. Post, Post Malone, Malone went full country from yeah. rap. I mean, but Nelly. Post Malone, he's a talented man. He's a talented man. He is real talented. I'll give him his rating right now. I'm excited. Do it. Because I. I hadn't tasted it in a while, and my palate evolved a little bit. Um, it's my wheelhouse. I, like I, I kind of figured it would be. Well, like and our, our rock rating, guys, if you're, if you're listening to audio, if this is the first time watching or listening, yes. our rock rating is on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being the best, 10 being the worst, because the more rocks you put in a drink, usually the worse that the whiskey or bourbon is. So as we, as we label them, as we, as, we give, as we give them our rock rating, if it's lower, if it's closer to 1, that means it's better, not worse. This, uh, no BS. It is what it is. Get what you get. It's uh, it stays strong. It doesn't evolve into something else. Uh, three and a half. Yeah. What's the price? What's your rating? I, I want to know the price before I give a rating. Nope. I don't no. care about the, the price. It's three yeah. and a half solid. Okay. okay. Whether it's rating. five bucks or right. it's... Let me, let me I, I like right, playing right. the price I, game because like... If I had to cap it, yeah. I would say somewhere around the 60 to 70 range. Okay. That's what I, I, I'm thinking. 60 to 70 dollars okay. for, for this Because it's a solid bourbon. Yep. Um... All right, let me get another. Let me get another sip in here. Like I said, this is still the first pour. Um, for me, I think at 100 proof, the mouthfeel is amazing. Um, yeah, I've only had one of these guys, but again, it's not. It's not heavy on the mind as far as the the, the effects mm -hmm. that you get from alcohol. It's it's easy sipping, lends itself to a great conversation as always. And this is we play we play into our ratings all the time. Um, I think. I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little bit better than you, Oscar. I think I'm gonna give this one a 3.2, especially because that that sweeter finish for me is is phenomenal. And like you said, you pour it out, you get that second one, um, even the second sip, like the, the difference between the first sip and the second sip, yep. night and day. And if you can count on a bourbon to where you can let it sit in a with no rocks, you can hold the glass, and then you get the evolution of the flavor, you get the you get the changing <laughs> of the bourbon as it sits in your glass. But then when you re-pour it, it goes right back, like you were saying, right back to the original. I, I think that lends itself phenomenally to, to a bourbon, especially seven year that it's not 
tart. It's not overly, no. overly, you know, just it doesn't oaky. And, processed. Yeah, no, no. And, and like I said, it, it feels good mm. when, when you take a sip. It's light on the tongue. Yeah, I'm sitting with a, a 3.2, if yeah. not even a 3.1 on yeah, this one. Yeah, I think the, I mean, the, the, the balance between the vanilla, the caramel, the spice, and then the oak and the char, like, it just, it's predictable. It's a bourbon. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's, <laughs> it's predictable. Bourbon, yeah. And we've had a lot of bourbons that have evolved and changed, and the, the, the flavor profile has changed. The burn, like, the aroma has changed on the nose. Um, like, this has been open now for an hour and 20 minutes, Yep, roughly. Yep. I can still smell the two burn distilleries in the seven burn. <laughs> <laughs> I can smell the the heart and the flaming river of whiskey from 1996. So yep. it's good. Uh, I'm gonna ask you something though. So I'm gonna give you the price. Okay. 52. G. That's good. Yeah. Poo. Right. Ooh. Ooh. Does that change? 52. Where? Poo. Huh? Chris Valley. That's good. Oh, yeah. Does that change? Damn. Oh, damn. Yep. Okay. Does it doesn't make sense though? It comes from larceny. It, it like it, there's a background and, with larceny, and, and we fucking love larceny. Yeah. but fifty two bucks. 50 I don't think for a seven for a seven year bottled and bond bourbon. Their Damn. whole group. There's not one that I don't like. There's so old forest for for comparison. Wow. For comparison, wow, old forester, yep. which we had the prohibition, mm-hmm. right? Which was great, but old forester bottled and bond is sixty four. Yeah, I mean, shit. I'm at a, I'm, <laughs> I'm at a two point eight. I was it, I would say I, I was going to say that the price only point. the only reason I went three and a half was uh, the the profile of the the earthy herb sure. side of it comes in a little bit higher yeah than Agreed. my Agreed. my liking yeah but other than that it's just solid I, I with the price I'd have to go down to a two point nine yep below three yep. only because like again fifty two bucks dude. yeah fifty two bucks for that kind of a flavor and that like I yeah there are easy <laughs> proofs that we've had that are yes. over fifty two bucks. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I say fifty two. As far good. as like yeah. bourbon drinkers go, I yeah. think this is a bourbon yeah. drinker. Fifty two dollars bourbon. Two point eight, two point. You could have this on your patio, smoking mm-hmm. a cigar. Hundred percent. Yep. Just cocktail. Hey, come yep. over. Let's have a chat. Pour it in. Mm-hmm. Have a chat about real estate. Yep. Preferably. And buying or selling. I like it. Now, if you come to my house and you're not a client, no, don't talk real estate. <laughs> yeah, but you know what happens? They ask anyway. Yeah. Because yeah. they know. Everybody. Oh, you're a real estate. Oh, how's the market looking yeah. right now? Jesus Christ. It looks where like do this. where do you where do you want me to start? Yeah. <laughs> Um, guys, thank you so much for joining us on another episode. Uh, remember, it, it was. It was I liked the, I liked our Reddit questions. It's, yeah, it's, it's a good one. It was a really good I'm one have to with, open a, up with a great Reddit. bourbon. Um, but as always, guys, you can find us on YouTube, um, Living in Colorado, The Mile High Perspective. We stream everywhere. So Apple Podcasts, Pandora, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts. You can find us on all of those platforms at any time. Guys, thank you again for the support on TikTok. We're figuring out our live situation so we can bring you the best kind of audio and, and quality there as well. But ask us questions, bring it bring it up. Again, on our YouTube channel, it's not just the podcast. We do new home tours. Check out the commu- Parker Community Spotlight. We have, we did a uh, tour of a $1.2 million home. Mm-hmm. and it, Shout out Cardell Homes. Shout out. It, it, Cardell's a good home. It, awesome video if I do say so myself. Dude, fucking <laughs> uh, great, great, Great shots and all, yeah. and all of it. Good explanations. Um, but you can find all of us independently on our own social medias. You can find me at that lifting agent on TikTok and Instagram. Oscar? Oscar the Realtor. OscarTheRealtor.com and Oscar the Realtor CO. It's the only difference. The Colorado real estate guy. Easy. 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 And uh, as always, guys, 
I produce all the videos that the podcast on the channel. So if you have any questions about videography, if you're looking to do any kind of video marketing, reach out to me at BGD Productions CO uh, on Instagram or shoot me an email, send me a direct message, Charlie Sardelli on LinkedIn. I'm always happy to help. And uh, yeah, guys, just keep keep tuning in. And mm-hmm. we're, we're excited to be here for you and send us some bourbon recommendations, some places you want us to go, topics you want us to talk about. And if you do want to talk about them online, come to us, right? Um, but on that note, you can always reach out to us at 24-7 text message, email, R-E-S-O-T-R at themilehighperspective.com or give us a ring. 303-578-0263. And guys, we will catch you on the next one. Cheers. Cheers. Catch you on the flip side. Oh. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and for the weekly video version, subscribe to our YouTube channel at Living in Colorado, The Mile High Perspective.